Good morning, Oregon. It's Thursday, February 17th. This is Andrew Thien with a news briefing from the Oregonian and Oregon Live. Before we start, a quick thank you to our sponsor, Pacific Source Health Plans, for supporting the show. Nearly two years after a federal officer fired a projectile at a Portland protester, leaving him with a debilitating head injury, we still know next to nothing about that officer. The U.S. Department of Justice has not identified the employee which agency they worked for, their rank or title, or any basic information. Donovan Labella, the 26-year-old man who was struck in the head, sued the feds last year seeking unspecified damages related to the 2020 injury. A previous filing indicated he sought millions. Oregon's congressional leaders say the officer worked for the U.S. Marshals Service. Labella's attorneys and federal officials are scheduled to meet March 1st in mediation. A federal judge this month approved a separate protective order that would keep secret the identities of all federal law enforcement officers and agencies involved in the summer 2020 protests. Labella suffered a significant brain injury that the lawsuit equates to a frontal lobotomy. His memory, impulse control, moods, and judgment are impaired, the lawsuit says. The claim says his injuries are lifelong, affecting his ability to work and the quality of his life overall. New data show foot traffic in downtown Portland is still far below pre-pandemic levels. The number of downtown visitors is down by 40% from the before times, and the number of people working downtown is two-thirds lower. That's according to a study released by the Chamber of Commerce Wednesday. The study is built off aggregated data from smartphones. The results show that downtown Portland still has a ways to go to return to a semblance of normalcy. Researchers with DHM, which compiled the data on behalf of the Portland Business Alliance, say downtowns everywhere are facing challenges, but Portland appears to be hit harder than others. Portland appears to have recovered more slowly than Seattle, for example. Their survey results show Portland has only slightly underperformed areas like Salt Lake City, Austin, and Seattle in terms of job growth, but it's substantially overperformed others in terms of its public health successes during the pandemic. Population growth has also slowed considerably in the Tri-County region, according to the survey. The family of a 57-year-old man who plunged off the Glen Jackson Bridge during a winter storm earlier last year to his death is suing Oregon for $12 million. Antonio Lopez's family filed a wrongful death lawsuit seeking damages. Lopez was driving home from his Hazeldale, Washington restaurant on February 14, 2021, when he hit ice and drove up a snowbank next to the bridge's railing and soared off it and into the Columbia River. The Interstate 205 bridge spans the Columbia River between Oregon and Washington. Lopez's daughter said the Oregon Department of Transportation was negligent because it didn't clear a section of the freeway. The family believes Lopez's death was preventable. The lawsuit alleges the snowbank on the freeway was man-made and that the agency simply didn't sweep the shoulders. The 32-inch railing of the bridge is too low and dangerous in comparison to other bridges of its sizes, which are typically 39 to 43 inches high, the suit contends. It took three days for officials to locate Lopez's body and his Subaru in the river. Oregon officials declined to comment on the lawsuit. Julio Segura, the 20-year-old man accused of attempted murder in the death of an off-duty Vancouver cop at his battleground home last month, will remain in custody. Our Clark County Superior Court judge denied Segura's request to have his bail reduced from $5 million to $50,000. Segura's attorney had argued that his client didn't kill Donald Sahota, 
the Vancouver cop who was shot by a sheriff's deputy on his own porch. Therefore, he shouldn't be held responsible. A different judge is now handling the case after Segura argued for a different proceeding. That judge maintained the $5 million bail, saying Segura represents a significant risk to the community. New details filed this week include a first-degree kidnapping charge. The state alleges that Segura tried to capture Sahota's wife when he ran inside their home. He was armed with a knife and had just allegedly stabbed Sahota. The state also argued in court Wednesday that the knife wounds Segura is accused of inflicting include a puncture to the abdomen, upper chest, and the throat. The stabs nicked Sahota's jugular vein and punctured his lung. Thanks for listening. You can support our local journalism by subscribing to Oregon Live. Go to OregonLive.com slash pod support.